This episode is sponsored by Cousins Needles How to Become a Certified Home Inspector Workshop. The home inspection business is a multi-million dollar industry and is rapidly growing. Within this workshop, you will learn how to start your own home inspection company within the next six months, how you can make an extra $5,000 a month, and how to be your own boss. After you watch the home inspector workshop, you will know what education is required for your state, step-by-step guidance on the certification process, how to study for the national exam, how to market to your customers, and the 10 major home components to inspect. It also includes how to become a certified home inspector two-hour workshop, replay of the live Q&A session, and presentation notes from the Home Inspector Workshop. Now, the link will be in the description of this podcast episode if you want to get started today and purchase this workshop and be on your way to being a certified home inspector and making money. Turn me up something. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it. No Deanna, speak that shit that everybody vouching. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant. I study millionaires cause I was born a visionary. You still believe in limitations, why you acting scary? You can't distract me from the paper I've been Chase of greatness. I'm stacking now and balling later in the conversation. We strategizing, monetizing, piling up investments and sacrificing temporary sh- for bigger blessings. Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state. I multiply my grind rate and I match the way I vibrate. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it. No Deanna speak that that everybody vouching Ain't no more excuses valid Get up off the couch and get up in your bag To your bank account, need an accountant This episode is also sponsored by Brian, the infamous CPA's blueprint How to make passive income in the car rental industry Within this course, Brian teaches you The overview of the rental car business startup checklists and cost analysis, cash flow analysis and how to set rental prices, vehicle criteria, car maintenance protocol, how to handle tickets and tolls, how to handle car accidents, effectively marketing your vehicle, and more. If you want to get started with this course and start making money in the car rental industry, go to the link in our description and get started today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. I'm your host, Xavier, with my co-host, D. What's up, everybody? And today we got a, uh, another special guest. We've been trying to get this episode done for like, you know, I don't even know how long. You know, we've been going back and forth. I'm like, when you coming on? When you coming on the pod? My girl is busy. You're right, she's busy, <laughs> man. I, I, I am mad at her. But uh, for today's guest, we got the owner of Hannah Financial. We got the credit queen, Irene mm-hmm. Day. And you know, yeah, if y'all not into her, make sure y'all need to follow her on all her social media, Instagram. Twitter, mm-hmm. all that man. She 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 always giving out game and she entertaining too. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, this ain't her first episode, so lock into the other one before this one. It's not. We got we got a whole bunch of catching up to do. Yeah, we a do. whole bunch we of really stuff that have her. So like, first I want to say congratulations on having a seven-figure credit business in that. Hey, you know what's crazy? 
<laughs> in the, uh, I'm in my home office, but it's it's currently under construction. I don't know if y'all can see like the unfinished mm-hmm. cabinets over here, but. <laughs> Guys, that puck. <laughs> Y'all see that Millionaire's Club, Irene Day. Millionaire's Club. That's amazing. What that now? What that? What that feel like? What that? What hitting that goal? What that feel like? Um. So it was crazy because when we did the last, uh, when we did the last, the last right. podcast, <clears throat> I think was that it, it was either 2019, I think, end of 2019, or top of 2020. Yeah, that that I think yeah, it was I think it was uh top of 2020, I think. Yeah, but 2018 was like my first six figure year, 2018. And but 2019 was the first year that I actually made a six-figure profit in my year. Mm. I like in my business. So to have like that transition and then top of 20, actually we did the seven figure, we hit the seven figures the end of 2020. That's crazy. So 2020 was yeah was a crazy, crazy last yeah. year. Um, it it felt very surreal because it's like it's been something that I've been striving for from forever. Like when I first started using um the CRM system that I use, which is who gave me the plaque, Credit Repair Cloud. When I first started using the system, and I had even found out about the Millionaires Club, I was like, "Oh, I want to do a million dollars in my credit repair business so I can get a plaque," and then the closer I got to accomplishing it, like we had our, we had did officially did seven figures in revenue, um, like total revenue, the top of 2020. But the plaque, they they put me through the ringer because they went to the website, saw that we offered other financial services. And they like, well, we want to make sure that you did the seven figures and just credit repair. So I'm like, all right, cool. But once we hit it, I was like, huh. This is interesting. And it's crazy because people have been on me like, Irene, like when you go start training people how to do credit repair, like how to start a credit repair business and stuff like that. And y'all know how I am about like access and availability. Like one of the things that really strive me to grow my business to where it's at now is because I like to not work in my business. Like the work that I'm doing now in financial is like coaching and pouring into the people that I have on payroll and financial. It's right. not doing consultations. It's not processing files. It's not answering questions through the live chat. Like those are things that I absolutely do not like to do, but making sure that training and my SOPs like top tier, making sure that I'm continuing to generate revenue through marketing so I can keep giving my employees raises, like making sure I'm taking care of them. Like those are the things that I genuinely enjoy doing, and I feel like that's why I've been able to have the success in my company that I've been able to have. Mm, that's, that's, that, that says a lot. And I just looked at it. It's, it was January 7, 2020. So like you said, yeah. early, early 2020, yeah. So yeah, a lot has, a lot has changed uh, since then. And I know one of the the first questions I want to ask you, and it was regarding to something that's that's real popular right now, the PPP. Let's talk about it. I got to, yeah, we had to. We got, we got, we got Irene here. We got to talk about it. So we got to, we got to. So I'm with my, I'm trying to think of a way to word this. So basically what I want to ask is first, what is it? What is your thoughts on it? Cause it's like, it seems like every, everybody's doing it. So let's just start there. So here's the thing about the PPP. If you were somebody who was a business owner, and I tell people all the time, there's a difference between you paying for an LLC 
that you might have bought five years ago and you actually run in the business. Like, all right, you pay for the LLC. Have you made money in the business? Have you filed taxes on the business? If you have not filed taxes on that business, you certainly do not have a business, you have a hustle. The PPP was not for people with hustles. Um, so I think it was a great tool if you were an actual business owner and then they opened it up to like gig workers. But even with the gig work, like the 1099 contractors, if you do a Uber driver, you do Lyft, um, you do like independent consulting, you might be a hairdresser. Even with the PPP being available to those people, you still have to prove that you are one of those people's VIA your tax returns. So it's like, it's people, oh, I started driving Uber in February of 2021 applying for PPP. This was not for you. And people don't understand like the seriousness of what they're doing. The Paycheck, Pro Paycheck Protection Program is a federal program. This money that they are giving people are federal funds. You know what happens when you play with federal money? You go to federal jail. And people federal feel like- charges. Of, yeah. People feel like because it's, oh, it's, well, everybody doing it. Right. It's a whole lot of people doing fake credit repair or a whole lot of people buying CPNs. That does not make it legal. That does not make it right. It does not make it ethical. So, um, and being, being in the credit space, like being in the financial space, I see it all the time. Like people try to justify them doing X, Y, and Z because I saw- all these people in Atlanta doing it. Like, just because somebody's doing something does not mean that it's right. Mm. What about? So, what about? Because I know a common thing I hear is people saying. I think a lot of people misinformed on this. They were like, "I ain't got to worry about nothing because you know it's forgivable. It's forgivable." I hear that a lot, and I'm like, "And yeah. that's the thing." So, it being forgivable is that sixty percent of because it was the Paycheck Protection Program, sixty percent of the money that was lent to you had to be paid out via payroll. So like, um, it was two draws. So it's two draws. You can do the first draw and you can do the second draw. So if you did the first draw, the first draw basically was for independent contractors, people in business who filed that independent contract work or that business work on their actual tax returns for either 2019 or 2020, right? So we did the, I like free. I ain't above free. Like we, Hannah Financial, we did the first draw PPP mm -hmm. loan, right? Um, and 60% of the amount that we got, we paid out in payroll. Right. So when I did our loan forgiveness and sent them the documentation to show that 60% of this loan was paid out for payroll, then they forgave the loan. That's how it works. People think, oh, we just gonna apply for this loan, they are gonna give me the loan, and then eventually it's gonna get forgiven. No, you have to actually apply for and qualify for the loan forgiveness for it to be forgiven. And then if you did the second draw, we didn't qualify for the second draw because the second draw, you basically had to have a 25% reduction in business over the same, over, I think it was an eight week period over the same, um, the previous calendar year. Mm. We didn't have any eight week period in 2020 where we had a 25% reduction in business for 2019. But that first draw, y'all want to give me some forgivable money? Hell yeah, I'm taking that. Run it. Yes. These coins. Because I, man, I, hear, I, I have conversations with people all the time. And they be like, man, you think I should do it? And I'm like, bro, I'm going to be honest and with you, And then people think it's for, people think yeah. it's for everybody. I have, have W-2 employees. Hey, uh, I did that PPP. <laughs> How? <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> How? How? It's, man, it's crazy. It's, it's wild. And I'm like, I hope, I hope it ends well. Because I know 
I know how the government play. Yeah, I know they'll spin the they like, spin the butt. They're like, oh, well, you know, they ain't gonna catch up to me now. They, they don't got to. There is no statute of limitations on fraud when it comes to federal funds. Damn. And they got like, all your personal information because you type all it, of it all into <laughs> the application. Into the application. Yeah. All of it. Damn. It's, I, I hope I hope y'all listen. This might say somebody just in case they was thinking about doing it. That yeah, might... I mean, it's, it's funny because people were asking me like, Irene, are you going to do PPP loan applications? Absolutely not. I did, um, when they announced the first draw, we had did like I had opened up my books for consultations because y'all know I do free. Um, mm-hmm. Only person I'm doing free anything for is for my mama. And <laughs> she ain't even free for real. Like I pay all her bills and she come and clean my kitchen like <laughs> once a week. That's how you do <laughs> so, yeah, like, um, so I had did, I opened up consultations. We, I think I had did like 50 consultations for people to do, like for me to do their PPP or their EIDO applications. Over half of those people did not have businesses, did not have tax returns showing their business. Like I did, I, I had somebody who had a record label give me two years of tax returns that only had W-2 agents on it. I'm like, where you don't file taxes on your business? Oh no, I, it don't go on my personal return. It absolutely does. Are you a corporation? No. Okay. So your business returns goes on your personal tax return. Mm. Or I had people who had no business. Oh, well, I, I had my EIN um, and my LLC for like three years. What? Mm. And I tell people all the time, like, there's no amount of money you can pay me to be a headache. No, mm-hmm. that's a fact. I love yeah. It. Like there's, there's no amount of money you can pay me to be a headache. Um, and I, it's crazy because when I got my plaque, I, t- I, I told myself I did not want to do any credit repair business trainings until I could say I made a million dollars doing credit repair. I got my plaque in March. Yeah, I got my plaque in March. And the first course, like the first official live course of Hand Financial University was supposed to be my credit repair business training. And I honestly feel like the reason I keep running into the problems that I'm running into, I'm not a graphic designer. I don't do websites. I don't edit videos. And the people that I've been hiring or contracting to do such work have basically been putting me through the ringer. And I feel like the reason it's been the delay is because God know, like I need, I need this break before I make this huge commitment. Cause right. you literally, I'm at a point where you cannot pay me to be a headache. Like, no, I work very well within my systems, within my boundaries, within my team members. And if it's not something that a hand and financial team member can do, it's probably not getting done outside of my contracting work. But those, those type of headaches, like five-figure contracts to build out financial literacy, curriculum, stuff like that, those are headaches I can deal with. Because those pay very, 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 very well. <laughs> Yeah. But the type of headaches that people be trying to give for like a couple hundred dollars here, a couple hundred dollars there, no, I'm good. Mm. Mm-hmm. So so what about uh what about the people that actually can get the uh PP, PPP they eligible for it? Like what's the process for them to get started? They, to- they absolutely need to do it. Um so first I need to find a lender. I've been recommending Bluevine and Biz to Credit because they've been processing those applications pretty fast. You will need your either 2019 or 2020 tax return to show that you filed um, taxes and including 
the included the contract work or the business that you're applying for the PPP with. Um, the application is pretty straightforward. I actually did like a free training to show people how to apply for the PPP if they qualify for it. But I've only done like three applications. I did ours and I think I did like two for some friends. Okay. And they okay. were, but it's, it's real straightforward. Okay. You just really just got to have your documentation. I would recommend setting up another bank account. Um, I think that you should have more than one bank account when you're doing any type of business anyways. But designate one of those bank accounts for just those PPP funds. So when you do go to apply for the forgiveness, you're not sorting through transactions and trying to show like, oh, well, we use this money to pay for this, this, and this. You can show them like, this is the money that was received. This is what we spent on it. So, and it'll make your forgiveness process a lot easier. Okay. Go ahead. I was going to say real quick, isn't the, um even though the second draw is out right now, you can still, if you qualify you, for it, you can still do the first draw, right? Okay. Yeah, you. Uh, I think until May thirty first is when he extended it. Yep. Okay. okay. And I want to ask you this. I remember the first time you was on. You was like, I don't even like being an entrepreneur. I remember, <laughs> <laughs> and that always stuck out to me. It was funny to me. Like so now, like even though you didn't grow, you didn't grow tempo since then. Do you like it now? And if not, like how do you even accomplish all this without liking, liking it? Like liking being a business owner. Um, I think just one of the things that I struggle with entrepreneur wise is setting boundaries and standing my, and sticking to my systems. So literally every day when I wake up, I, I got like a little like thing that I say to myself, we're going to have a good day. I'm going to stick in my boundaries and I'm going to stay in my systems. Like I literally, I wake up every morning and there I go. And if I just feel like it's about to be a crazy day. I pray again, cause I pray at night and I pray before I leave the house if I ever leave the house. But if I just feel like this is about to be a crazy day, I just I just tell myself it's gonna be a good day. I'm gonna stay in my boundaries. I'm gonna stay in my systems. I pray again and I keep it moving. I'm um, really just reminding myself day to day that this you've gotten this successful, like you've gotten to this point in your business by not questioning what you do, not being a people pleaser. I think especially being a service-based business owner, we want to service everybody. We want to make everybody happy and you are going to drive yourself crazy trying to do, mm -hmm. trying to do that. Um, and I think one of the things that has also helped me being a service-based business owner is we went up on our prices uh, middle last year because I feel like when you price your, your services too low, it don't matter how good the service is, how good the customer service is, you are always going to attract clients that you do not want to work with. Mm -hmm. every every yeah everybody who needs their taxes prepared everybody who needs their credit fixed everybody who needs their student loan service are not people that i want to service and handle financial and i feel like once i upped our price it also upped our quality of client um, yeah I, so, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that yeah it, it, it like i had this conversation with a lot of business owners like we're raising your prices man like that's gonna weed out a lot of bad potential clients because it could be a headache mm -hmm. and people people yep. will pay 50 dollars for something and get on your damn nerves and they want the world they like, want the world i don't want to call in a customer service or i'll call in a customer service i want to talk to irene you cannot right. walk into walmart and talk to anybody that's in the walk exactly mm -hmm. like nobody no um and I think with social media, like it kind of makes people give this, have this like false sense of entitlement 
Like, yeah, I can I see the you. business owner. Right. Yeah. That I, I see the business owner. Like we we friends on social media. Even though she run a business and she has people on payroll, I want to talk to her directly. No, that's not in my job description as CEO of Hannah Financial. I don't do customer service. Setting boundaries. That goes back to setting boundaries, though. Yeah, I, was yeah. Say, I think also with social media, people feel like they have a different sense of access to you. So mm-hmm. it's just like that mentality carries over into the business world. They feel like, well, I have this type of access where I can see what you're doing and see who you are. I can DM you. Yeah, and look into your life. Like, I feel like, you know, you're supposed to give me what I want because of that. And it's crazy because half the time, like, not even to be funny. One, I'm terrible with checking DMs. Like, me and my friends be cutting up in the DMs, like, sending each other memes <laughs> and stuff. So it's like, on top of me and my friends being head cases, I got people asking me questions that I'm not ask, I'm not answering you for free. This is why you can schedule a credit clarity call. Um, but, like, my DMs be doing the most. And a lot of times, I get overwhelmed. Like one of the things that I don't really talk about a lot, but I got diagnosed with bipolar depression when I was 22. So like taking care of my mental space, taking care of me mentally and emotionally, setting boundaries, like not dealing with people when I don't want to deal with people has been extremely important to me, especially leaving retail. Like I think it was something that was very hard for me to manage being in retail for 13 years. And once I left, it's like, I actually have a chance to take care of myself the way I need to be taken care of. And I'm not, I'm not getting rid of that or stepping out of that for nobody. Mm-hmm. I think, but no, some real shit. I think that's really amazing for somebody to, like you said, to deal with uh, bipolar and also like have a career where it's like, I don't super, super like it, but you just so disciplined and stick to your like routine and, and be successful at it. That says a whole, I think that gives people no excuse because you got people that don't have, they not don't have bipolar. They actually enjoy being a business owner and right. they can't accomplish shit. So the thing about it is I feel like it don't be the people enjoy being a business owner. They enjoy being able to say, I don't punch the clock for nobody. Mm, and I absolutely, I absolutely hate that. Cause it's like, I hate that a lot of business owners, I want to say shame the nine to five, which is crazy because I, I'm like, I need employees. Yeah, I don't know what kind of nine to fivers y'all know, but the I know hella people make it with nine to fives making, making money. good money. Yeah. I know people with nine to fives making more than people with businesses. Like, that's, what do you mean? That's facts. That's facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like I hate that people shame the nine to five, and it's like, why for what? Everybody, everybody was not meant to be a chief. Like, we need Indians. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, you you gotta have balance and in the system so it's like when everybody trying to be chiefs and don't got cheap qualities don't got cheap discipline it's like we all just running muck now because that's that's, re- <laughs> that's that's really what it boiled down to like um even when i was working when i worked at table i i enjoyed training and supervising people like management has always been my strength which is why when i went to college organizational leadership was my major human resource management was my minor like Dealing with people, that's that's always been something I've been very good at. So that aspect of entrepreneurship, I feel like, has given me the ability to really succeed in my business and take a step back and see, like, where I need to focus on or, like, tighten up on. But mm. I, I I really feel like that's, that's been the bread and butter right there. Mm. Something like something you said that I think is very true. You said most people... Uh, 
like pretty much paraphrasing here, you said most people they think they want to be business owners just because they don't like their nine to five. And that's a that's a lot because you will hear it a lot. You you will ask people like, you know what I'm saying, what make you want to be in business? They'll say, I just couldn't work for nobody. But that doesn't mean But it's like why? Why exactly. don't you want to work for nobody? What what qualities do you possess interpersonally that makes you feel like you could be a business owner or you could be self-employed? Because mm-hmm. it's a lot of people that they don't have skill sets to be entrepreneurs. They don't. They don't have the skill sets. They don't have the discipline. They don't understand the importance of investing to to have those skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, what what made you decide that this was a good this is a good idea? Mm. And I tell people all the time, like until you until you can follow, you cannot lead. So it's yes. like, yeah, you you might be good at being um, you might be good at doing hair. You might be good at uh, doing graphic design. But like, you will never make the money that you want to make doing everything by yourself. Yeah. And you not having leadership qualities, you not being able to lead, not being able to follow, you're not going to be able to scale and like really make the money that you want to make for yourself without those, with like without some type of support and skill set. Mm, that's a bar. And a lot of us bro. don't, yeah, a lot of us don't have it. Like, even with me being good with managing people, training people. I, when I tell you myself, I didn't even realize how unself-disciplined I was until like a year into my business after Save-A-Lot, like, girl, what you doing? It's 30, why are you still in the bed? <laughs> like, hey, what, what work are you, yeah, what work are you, are you going to get done now? I'm showing up late. We got staff meetings every Monday. I'm showing up late for meetings, like. So it's like, you really, you got to be able to have honest conversations with yourself. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't like having honest conversations with themselves. Um, Even, even when I'm slacking, like even when I'm not on my A game, I'm, I'm honest with myself. Like Irene, get your lazy ass up off the couch and go do something that you should have had done a week ago. Like Mm -hmm. I have no problem having those conversations with myself. And a lot of people, they don't. They don't like to hear that they should stink. So they oh, can't tell themselves that they should stink. Hell so no. it's like before somebody, before somebody else smells that your shit stunk, I'm pretty sure you knew that your shit stunk, but you just, you yeah. didn't feel like you needed to address it. Yeah. Man, that's, you, you, you give them a lot of gems. Cause I, like when it comes to the, the following part, how you say to be, a, in order to be a good leader, you have to follow first. I think today's mm-hmm. time, most people now, they looked at, they look at, following someone as like a lesser damn position like an inferior position like it's kind of like it's kind of like now nowadays people look at being a just the word follower is it got a bad connotation already you know what I'm yeah saying? it do when they when they hear that it's like oh hell no i ain't no follower but like you said like i'm prior military so i understand when you say stuff like that that's really that's really true because when you follow and you know what it takes to be a leader, you see it, you evaluate, and like, okay, this exactly. is what I would do if I was in that position. This would I, would, then, I wouldn't do. And that's the thing. And having leaders like being led by somebody, you know what I liked in this leader and what I did not like, or like exactly. what I would tighten up mm-hmm. or what I would change. And yep. it's like a lot of us, a lot of us don't want to be in that position where we can even sit back and see what we can do to even be a leader. Like even with the functions in my in my credit repair business, all of the functions of the team members that I have now, I've done. Mm, see? And that's that's how it's or supposed I, to be. Or I can, yeah, or I can do. Like if something was to happen to my lead girl that does my credit 30 calls, like 
I could do her job. I don't want to. So mm. I make sure she she get her her time off. Like she just got a two dollar an hour raise. Like I make sure I'm I'm keeping her on the up and up. But the functions in my business, especially at this level, I can do all of the functions in my business. And I wouldn't have been able to do SOPs. I wouldn't have been able to hire efficiently. I wouldn't have been able to do none of that without knowing how to do the functions in my job or in mm. my business first. But it's like to to be there first. I had to be able to follow. Like I had to be able to invest in training. Like I had to be able to have some type of guidance or like idea of where I wanted to go. That's, that's real right there. And uh, I want to talk about um, credit for a second because I've uh, okay. seen you talk about this because this is something I see a lot too. Like when talking about building credit, I see a lot of people like specifically parents say, you know, as your kid, as a uh, authorized user to help build your credit. But I've seen you say, mention something about like not recommending people do that until the child's at least 16 years old. Yeah. So I just want so, you to yeah. It makes absolutely zero sense. One, if you do, you got a two-year-old, right? Little John John playing in the grass. <laughs> you decided, I want to give him a head start in life. That ain't no problem. Generational wealth, making sure your kids are squared away. That's what you're supposed to do as a parent. However, how often do we see data breaches, Facebook data breach, Equifax data breach. All the time. All the time. How often does the average American check their credit reports? Three times a year. You think it's a good idea for you to generate credit reports for your child at the age of two with all of their personal information just floating around in cyberspace for credit reports and scores that they can't even use until they're 16. Like you're, you're, you're not, you're technically not bankable until you're 16. And even then with most accounts, you still have to have a parent on that account. It makes no sense at all for you to try to generate a credit score for your child at the age of two, when you're not going to be monitoring their reports because you barely monitor your reports. People think, oh, credit karma is free so I can see this. You cannot read all 27 parts of an account on your credit report. You wouldn't even know what to look for with fraud the way this stuff is happening now so it's like why put your child's personal information into a space to just be floating around when they can't do anything with it anyways like the same credit score that they would have the age of two they would have the same credit score if you added them to that same card at the age of 16. Mm. yeah so like they're they're not make a lot of sense yeah, they're not going to have a stronger profile because you added them as authorized user at the age of two that's not how that works (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think, go ahead, B. No, I was going to say, like, that definitely makes a lot of sense. But I wanted to uh, pivot for a second and ask you this because I know with COVID, a lot of service-based businesses were really impacted, like, hard. And Mm -hmm. with taxes being something that's, there's no way around it. It's mandatory, needed. We got to do it every single year. How to handle financial, navigate this space this year and last year as far as dealing with all these changes that came about? So tax season this year has been a shit show, (laughs) Um, literally from the day the IRS opened until now. So this is what happens. Um, And just to put into perspective, so credit repair is the bulk of the revenue that we do at Hannah Financial, but it's not all of it. So I want to say like 65% of our revenue comes from credit repair and the rest comes from like tax preparation um, and the business credit stuff that we do. So last year... Um, we did, it was like 111 tax returns. We've had over 500 submissions this season. 
so far. It has been very hard to navigate. The, the biggest issue that we've seen this season was one, the mid, not mid-season, but the changes with the way unemployment was taxed. So if you got unemployment for tax year 2020, they gave you the option to either withhold federal taxes or not withhold federal taxes. Whether or not you withheld or did not withheld, you still pay taxes. So it's like you either paid it out of your unemployment or you paid it when you right. when you filed your taxes. So all of those people who filed taxes and had unemployment prior to them passing, um, it was something in the new CARES Act provision where the first $10,200 of unemployment now is untaxable. So you got people who pay taxes on their unemployment who mm-hmm. already filed taxes, um, people who didn't have taxes withheld but still got hit with that penalty when they filed. Now we're waiting in limbo for the IRS to supposedly make those manual adjustments. And then something else that happened, um, the IRS processing system is very, very, very old. Like the actual hardware of the IRS computer systems are very old. And the past two years, they've been implementing like new technology into the system, but it's really been the equivalent. So say you had an iPhone 7 and you tried to put iOS 14 on it. Right. That. Right. <laughs> It's gonna be yeah, issue. that's, that's it's, not yeah. it's gonna, it's be, gonna an issue. be issue on top of issue on top of issue because your iPhone 7 does not have the hardware to support the software for iOS 14. So that's basically what we're seeing happen now with the IRS. Like uh, New York Times released an article like a month ago that said 12 million tax returns are literally stuck in a log jam in the IRS system. God. 12 million tax returns. Um filing system or the following date of when the IRS officially opened. So the IRS typically opens the last day of January, January 31st. This year, the IRS, I think, opened February 15th. So even with them pushing it back because they had to like implement new stuff into the system because of the recovery rebate credit, which basically if you didn't get your stimulus payments from last year, you could claim them on your taxes for this year. Um, We have a little under $30,000 in revenue that has not been paid out because those tax returns are stuck in the IRS <laughs> for this year. That shit crazy. Yeah. So it's uh, it's definitely been a shit show and it's been semi-frustrating because on the tax side, um, I do, I, I talk to a lot of the people that we file for because I'm either preparing it or one of my preparers is preparing it and I'm going over return and I'm contacting people so to have people like reach out to me, like I filed in January and I didn't get this, literally two out of three people who filed their taxes in February or January have not been funded yet. And today is May 5th. May 5th. It's going to be a long ain't time. Ain't that some shit? Yeah. The IRS said that it's, it's supposed to be fixed by summertime, but like, how do you tell people with and it, there's there's simple returns w2 got some kids might have had some unemployment like they not no crazy business returns or nothing like that how do you tell these people who need this money been banking on this money all year because 2020 was a shit show that we we have no expected date of when you're going to receive your refund because your tax return is stuck in the IRS system mm. You know, what's actually crazy now that I think about it, I filed my taxes last year in like end of April, May, and I got my tax return in December 
like my refund. I got my refund in December of last year because it was like one tiny error that got fixed mm-hmm. like shortly after. It wasn't long, but I didn't get my all the way to December. So I e-filed my 2019 taxes um, because I'm I'm technically on payroll. And then I the contracting work that I do is paid to me and not handle financial. I filed my taxes in March of 2019. Mm-hmm. I mean of 2020, I'm sorry. March of 2020. My tax return has still not been processed. Like it's it's one of those returns stuck in the system. And I owed, it was like $24,000 last year. Pay my taxes. So on my transcripts, it shows like so, negative $24,000 because my tax return has not been processed yet. That's crazy. But I like that you mentioned that you um like you on payroll within your own company. Talk about the benefits of that and why that's smart. Because I think that's something that a lot of people are still unaware of. Oh, it's very smart. So you see people talk about all the time, like, oh, you need to do the S-corp election, even if uh, it is just a single person. That's fine and dandy. But what comes with electing to be taxed as a corporation is, one, your business needs to have bookkeeping in place. You need to know what your expenses are, where they're going, what your profit is looking like. You need to have a professional tax preparer, whether that be a professional tax preparer, a CPA who actually does individual taxes because a lot of CPAs right, do not a lot of CPAs individual don't. taxes. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of people they they don't know that. They just yep. think accountant, oh, they supposed to do taxes. No, mm-hmm. they they most CPAs, like actual certified public accountants, fry yep. much bigger fish than dealing with you in your W2s. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Much bigger fish. Um so there there are there are a few CPAs who do individual tax returns, but every time I see a CPA who does taxes, they don't practice um, accounting at like a firm. Like they have to have their own standalone um, tax business because a lot of CPAs like in their employment contract because they are certified public accountants, they cannot perform any accounting work outside of the work that they perform for their firm. Mm. So yeah, something else a lot of people don't know. Yeah, so, I, don't, I don't know that. Mm-hmm, yep. Like, especially if you are, if you a good CPA, and you're gainfully employed, it's in your employment contract that you cannot prepare any type of financial, anything, taxes, financial audits, analysis outside of your employment. Hmm. Learn something new every day. See, I ain't gonna Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, yep. that's um I want to I want to touch back on uh credit though, because I like doing situations. So let's say let's do a let's do a okay. scenario. Let's so let's say I'm a let's, person. Let's talk. I'm a person, listen to this podcast. I got a credit score that's below 600s. Let's say I'm in a 550s, okay. 560s. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's say I'm in a 550, 560s, right? I want to get my credit. I want to get my credit right. You know what I'm saying? I'm seeing people on social media saying I can fix your credit, get you a 700 score in, in a month. I could do it. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I'm, you know what I'm saying? But I'm like, <laughs> you're on a face killing me. But like, let's just say this. Where are the first steps I could take immediately? to help get my score on the way to like a, a 650. On the up and up. Yeah, on the up and up. So, so first of all, anybody, anytime you see anybody over promising and promising to increase your credit score, any amount of numbers and right. any amount of time, major red flag. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people do not know, credit repair, even though your auntie and your hairdresser and your cousin down the street might do credit repair, Credit repair is governed by federal and state laws. You mm-hmm. have to have a license and a bond 
to do credit repair in almost every single state that credit repair is legal in. So let's start there. Let's start yeah. there. Um, second thing, second thing, I don't like giving blind advice about what you would need to do to increase your credit. So I tell people all the time, I don't know if y'all see the Facebook post, people be like, oh, I need to uh, credit score. And then you'll see the people in the comments like, oh, go get a secure card. Oh, go open a cylinder. Yep. yep. What Xavier would need to do and what D might need to do to increase yeah. your credit scores is going to be two completely different strategies because we have two completely different things going on with our credit profiles. Like you might need, you might not have no credit cards. So you need to get a secure card to get you some credit utilization and get that 160 points back. D might have credit cards, but she might not have no installment accounts. So she might need to go get a secured loan to get that consistent report and payment history. So it's like, what you would need to do is going to vary person to person. And that's why I'm very, especially now, like it's funny because I just was tweeting about this earlier today. Like everybody is not going to need the same credit assistance to get to where they want to be. Right. And that's why when we, when we used to do consultations, like if you sign up for a consultation that used to be free, we would just tell you what the program entailed, how to communicate with us as far as being a client, um, what to expect, yada, yada, yada. Now we do credit clarity calls. So we will actually, you'll do the onboarding uh, or the, the prep work, prep for your call, schedule credit clarity call, you'll do the prep work so we can actually see your credit reports and we'll give you tailored advice of what you need to do to get to where you wanna be credit wise. Because a lot of times when people seek out credit repair, it's a lot of people who don't need credit repair. They just don't have guidance or like the know-how of what we need to do to get to where we want to be. Like they need a blueprint. So that's mm. what the credit clarity call is. And if you are somebody who does need credit repair, after we do the credit clarity call, boom, we get you started. Mm. So, and yeah. I, I, let me ask you this, because uh, somebody was telling me how because you know, a lot of times you'll hear they say get a credit card, but don't utilize over 30%. And that's like the mm -hmm. best way to increase your credit. Somebody was telling me something about how getting a credit card and pretty much like not, something like not using it at all or something like that. And that's like another great way to increase your credit. Like, uh, yeah, so uh, we, we got the 30% from Credit Karma. And I right. tell people all the time, any finance, I don't care what it is, any financial service that you pay for, not that you pay for any financial service that you have access to that you do not pay for, right. you are I'm not the customer. customer. Mm -hmm. You're the product. You are the product. Mm. You are the product because your data is being sold to third-party companies. Yep. Like literally, if you if you open, if you logged into Credit Karma right now, what's going to be the first thing you see? Hello, Xavier. We suggest <laughs> yeah. these credit. We suggest yep. these credit cards. <laughs> And every time you click to do a credit card application on that Credit Karma website, Credit Karma makes four dollars. They make how much? Four bucks. Four bucks every time. Every single time. Oh shit! I didn't know that. Credit Karma getting yeah. money. Yeah, okay, like, like, <laughs> yeah, getting money because everybody get on there thinking like, oh man, I love Karma Credit Karma because I don't have to yeah. pay nothing. And that's the thing. Like, I hate that we are in this space in society where we feel like financial tools we don't see value in financial tools like we don't see value in things that are going to help us financially um or give us the assistance and clarity that we need financially and that's why we get stuck being products of 
platforms like Credit Karma. Yep. A lot of us, like you said, a lot of us, we still under that impression that like if it's free, this is best for us. Like, what you mean? It's yeah, free. Why, no. would, why would I go this route when this is free? When it's like, bro. No. Like, I it's was a reason. You, is it? No, it's, it's a, a, it's reason, a reason. Yeah, it's a reason you pay to play. It's a reason the game is sold and not told. I don't care what YouTube University told y'all. I don't care how many lead magnets people didn't use. Oh, let me show you how to do this for free. It's always for a reason. And the stuff that you really, really need to know that's really going to take you to the next level or really going to solve the problem that you have, you you're going to have to pay for it. You're going to have to pay. You should never and sacrifice and if, quality. And if anybody tell you otherwise, it's a high probability they're not being all the way honest. They know mm-hmm. the best information. Like you say, you or pay they, to play. Or they have the same problem that you have. They yeah. don't want exactly. to pay to play. <laughs> they don't want to pay to play, yeah. So that, that's like the best information. You're just going to have to pay something. I don't care if it's a dollar five, but you're going to pay something. To get the best, mm-hmm. the best, and you can't be. You're gonna either pay. You're gonna pay with your money, your time, or your data. Mm-hmm. That's a bar, yeah. and, more, and these days, a lot of time it's gonna be that data, because that's yeah, more valuable. Like they say, that's more valuable than anything these days. So mm-hmm. that's and all that's it. But you can't be scared. Like you can't be scared to just make an investment in yourself to improve your situation. Like exactly. And get, then try, I feel try like. We got to do a better job of being better consumers. I think uh, for the age of social media, Damn. I didn't even realize how people, how gullible people were until like this past year, honestly, on social media. Like some of the stuff that I'd be seeing floating across my timeline, I'd be like, ain't no way. <laughs> no, so yeah, I feel, I feel, I'd be thinking the same thing. But that's, that, that's a bar though. You got to be, to do a better job of being better consumers because being a consumer, mm-hmm. You can't avoid it. So it's not a bad thing. You need to, you know, yeah. so you can't sell everything. You can't just always be right. selling stuff. You got to buy something. So, but it's a way to go about it where you could do it to a point where it's like, it's not hurting you and it can be beneficial to you. Mm-hmm. But, so that's definitely, man, that's, that's, that's the bar right there. I'm going to make sure mm-hmm. I, I cut that clip and put that all over the internet. Right now. <laughs> Listen, I see it, man. When I tell you, I just, I just be looking like this, what you paid for this? It's funny because I'm in a credit repair space. I'm also very nosy. Um, so whenever I see like something float across my timeline, I'm like, oh, this, this marketing looks pretty good. The suit tailored kind of good. He could probably have a girdle or something, but the suit looking kind of good. Let me go see what they're selling. I cannot tell y'all how much shit I done paid for and was like, y'all are really selling this. Like I bought somebody's credit repair training. It was like $600. They literally told you to file a fake police report, file a fake identity theft claim, and use that to sweep your credit. Are you serious? $600. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, that's why you got to be careful. That's ridiculous. That shit, yeah, that shit crazy, man. Mark, I mean, you got to be, like like Irene said, you got to be a better consumer. So that's, that goes into vetting whatever you're going to buy. You vet mm-hmm. it. You know what I'm saying? Especially if it costs a good amount of money that's that you probably don't have if you don't have a lot of money you got to do you know what i'm saying you got to you got you got to vet it man but hey these days eh, you know people aren't really doing that but talking about still on credit i know i seen you talk about like getting that 800 score you said how uh yes a lot of people struggle to get to 800 because they're they're uh what'd you say impatient it's <laughs> pretty much yeah. yeah so uh cracking 800 payment payment history has to be flawless um no collection accounts no derive accounts no charge-offs average age of credit needs to be at least five years um one of the things like i see people all the time like oh i gotta hit 
800, but then mm-hmm. they be stuck at like 780 and they can't figure out why. Because you have recently opened new accounts. Uh, you're not letting your credit profiles age out. You have recent inquiries. And even though we're supposed to use credit, if you want to crack the 800, no, no new open accounts, no recent inquiries. Mm. Like, I finally was able to close on my house in August, even though I have no tax transcripts from 2019. But one of the things that helped me being self-employed, <laughs> um, I had great, like all of my FICO scores were over 800. So my mortgage lender literally had to go to like the VP of the company, like, yo, there's no reason why we cannot close on this loan. We going through COVID, IRS is closed. She can't get her tax transcripts. Like she's making the income, got the credit, closed on this loan. But she never would have been able to like go and push my loan through if I would have had shaky credit, if my financials would have been shaky. Like, so really just waiting it out. And I'm sad because then I got my mortgage and then my credit drops like 790 because it brought down my average age. But, you know, 790 still a good ass credit score. It is. So anything over 760, um, 760 and up, you won't get the same rates with a 765 than you are with an 845. Same rate. Only difference, honestly, the higher your credit score gets, the more at risk you are considered. So if you do have anything negative or derogatory to happen to your credit, it's going to have a much bigger impact on your credit score. So um, after like 760, if you was to just get like a fresh collection account, that's going to drop your score at least 70 points. Damn. Yep. And anything under, like typically 760 and under, a new collection account and drop your score like 45, 50 points. But you get hit hard the higher the higher your score is. That shit. The, the, it's the, crazy. The way the way the way it, the way it works is kind of mind blowing to me. Like how it is how that point system works. It's, it's crazy as hell to me. Like I like I know I know even you told a story how you paid, I forgot the amount of money. You said your credit score only went up like uh how many points you said it went up? You pay like a bunch of money. Points, like twenty thousand. That's, that's how. Yeah, thirty k. That's how I got into credit repair. Thirty k. Grandpa died. He left. He left me some bread. First thing we do, we got shit credit. We come across the money. Let me pay all this off. I literally paid off every single debt I owed on my credit report, and my credit score went from a four ten to a four twenty two. That is crazy. Crazy like, as hell. Like, give me my money back. <laughs> nah, man, for real, I'm like, I need a refund, bro. Give me that thirty back, bro. I when I tell y'all. I was sick, but it was a blessing in disguise because that's that's basically what led what me you, to yeah, like, yeah what got yeah. me into the credit space. Yeah, I would have been so here we are. Sick, thirty, that's a thirty. But I think it's a lesson in that is that it was a thirty k lesson. Look what it look what it went into. Listen, because yeah, let me tell y'all what I'm not paying. I'm not paying these damn student loans. I need uh, Joe and company. <laughs> Yo, Joe, what's up? You ain't paying mm-hmm. it. Hell no. I see, but I, see a lot of people I see a lot of people saying that like they, they like they might come out with a forgiveness and I've been paid all this money and I could have kept they trying to push they trying to push for 50k so I owe I think like 53 go ahead and forget that 50k I'll pay that three I'll pay that three mm-hmm. off <laughs> so do you, so do you think they three. actually you think they actually gonna do it though yeah that, yeah I think so mm. yep. if, he, if if he don't do it um one 
Even though I voted for him, I honestly don't think Joe Biden is going to make it through all four years of his presidency. <laughs> like, I, I think we're going to see Kamala as I think, I think uh, so president I think before so these four years is up. Yeah. If he don't do it, she definitely is. I so. think I, I say give it when he got in. I said I give it like two to three years. I think she'll be president. Yeah. He, um, at first he was like hell bent on like the 10K, but now they're reporting that he's revisiting like his actual power to be able to do the 50K. Man, if you're on executive order that shouldn't stop playing with me. Mm-hmm. No, for real. That's damn. So what what's what's so what's the time frame? So for the people that's listening to this, they might have a book, they have might have a boatload of student loans. Uh, how long do you think this is gonna take just in case they might be the oh ain't no telling. Yeah, I think um hopefully we'll see it this year. I honestly don't think that if he does do it, so say Joe Biden does push the 50K, I honestly don't think that we're going to see it until closer to uh, election 20, time. 2024? Yeah, I think that's going to be like, he forgets about the loans. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because that's a yep. that's a good point to like, <laughs> put me huge. back in. Yeah, that's a yeah. huge. Put me back yeah. in office. You know what I'm saying? So you're right about that. that that's a good yeah. point. That's a good point. I think, I think, you were, I think this is definitely... Why would you do it right now if you want to get exactly. back in office? It, it don't make any sense. Every, listen, everybody yeah. getting this PPP money, yeah, this PUA money. Like, yeah, why? Right. <laughs> nah. He, um, I, I don't think it's going to be immediate, but I think we're definitely going to see it before uh, his term is up. But mm. I think it's going to be towards the end of his term because that's going to be like bargaining power. Yeah, so. that's going to be big. He, he'll he win just if he do that. I think he'll win. He'll win 2024. Yeah. Off that yeah. probably off that probably alone, people going that's gonna be you know how many people got student loans? Man, yeah. listen. And it's crazy. I'm so like stubborn. The only reason I don't want to pay off my student loans is because I feel like college did not help me at all with entrepreneurship. Like literally everything that I have learned about being a business owner, I learned from working in retail management for 13 years. Like See? and, <laughs> and what's what's crazy listen. is no, go ahead, go ahead. Only thing, only thing that college taught me is that Adderall works. Like, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> That's it. Hey, what's crazy, I was just telling somebody younger, I'm like, man, I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm like, I think, because I'm 27, I'm like, I think as an 18-year-old, I think you can learn more from paying attention to people online that's actually doing business, like mm-hmm. throughout Twitter, Instagram, from actually yes. being in college. I think it's more information, more game, for people that's like actually doing it you get firsthand yeah. you can see this shit these people doing it every mm-hmm. single day they winning they're killing it day. you know what i'm saying you could pay attention to them closely i think it would be more beneficial to paying all this goddamn money and going to college and learning from a professor that ain't did no business shit in 30 40 years so he probably never did How any you, business related at all we got we got professors teaching business 101 who have never had never. a business before like y'all yeah. teaching us shit out of a textbook like what yeah, no, it's crazy because I really feel like why don't why are we not going to trade school? Like, why are people mm-hmm. not being pushed to be electricians, welders, mm-hmm. shit like that? And mm-hmm. I don't care what's going on technology wise. Like, I don't care what's going on environmentally. We will always need electricians. Mm-hmm. We will always, always need carpenters. We will always need welders. Like, no, why facts. are people not pushing? Yeah, like why are people not pushing pushing for that? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. why that's why we having more and more guests that speak on that recently because I know yeah. how valuable that could be for especially somebody that's young thinking thinking they have to go to college or thinking they have to go to the military like we did knowing you could just 
go learn a trade for six, eight months, come out, and start making Listen, money. And it's such a shortage. Like yeah, it's a bro, huge shortage. You, huge shortage. You be getting all the money right now. No, no, you really you really you what you was gonna say, D? No, I just want to say that's what Jamil talked about on his episode a lot. He yeah. said as his um current generation of welders and electricians are starting to retire and leave Die the out. industry, that's mm-hmm. where the shortages are coming from and not enough people are joining into these trades. It's crazy because when me and D was doing the mobile home shit in Canton, our mm-hmm. biggest issue, we couldn't find contractors. Trade people to do <laughs> couldn't find contractors. Mm-hmm. Electricians, all that. Damn, it's not enough. It's a demand. It's a demand for it, and it's it's a huge demand for it. But do you um, do you teach people how like how to run their own like credit repair business? So my wait list is actually open right now. Registration (laughs) will open next week. (laughs) Yes, registration is opening next week. Um, credit repair being high risk, Mm -hmm. there are only certain payment processors that I can use. So I'm actually waiting for my. Uh, gateway information from my payment processor so I can open the floodgates. Mm. Pray for me, y'all. Ooh, <laughs> Girl, something I want to ask you. But though, yeah. Um, going back to how we were talking about data and you know protecting your data and all that. How does like a credit repair company actually protect themselves from having um credit repair breaches or yes. credit breaches? Because you know you're handling so many people's personal information. Systems is very important. Systems. Um, there are a lot of people. I know people in the credit repair space. It's like, oh, I don't need to use the software. I don't need to do. You also haven't made a million dollars in your company either. Um, mm-hmm. Systems is, is important. So the CRM that I do use is Credit Repair Cloud. Um, if you go to the website, go to the Millionaires Club, you'll see. Yes, I'm good. Number I see. Hey. I never, I never thought you When she sent me that, um, I said, oh shit. I said, oh, <laughs> listen. Yeah systems so i i like credit repair cloud a lot um their system is fully encrypted um even even with the processes so like i have 17 members all seven of those all seven of those team members do not have access to client information um we are also licensed and bonded i tell people all the time like the people who are going to take your personal information and their business integrity seriously are going to do what needs to be done to protect their business they're going to be licensed. They're going to be bonded. Like they're going, shit, BBB accredited. Even though I feel like having the BBB accreditation put a target on my back because now anytime something happens that people don't like, oh, I'm going to the BBB. Like mm-hmm. earlier this season, I had a tax consultation. So when I, I did tax consultations, this was my first season. Your consultation window is 30 minutes. If you schedule at four o'clock, I'm calling you at four o'clock. I called this girl at four. She didn't answer. She called me back at four sixteen. I didn't answer. You got you got fourteen. My work minutes, phone so... is on. Yeah, <laughs> I, but my work phone is on. Do not disturb. And it's like if you call me, I give you a five minute window. If you call me back after that five minute window, I just refund you and you can reschedule. Mm-hmm. Because your call starts late. Guess what? Now I'm running the risk of the rest of my calls being late because you didn't answer the phone, even though you received a text and an email to let you know, Irene from Hannah Financial was calling you at 4 p.m. from 216-870-4605. So she didn't answer, um, called me back at 4.16, and she has sent me like these text messages. And you ever had a conversation with somebody and you can just like, 
this, this the tone and the you way you talk to me, this is just not, yeah, yeah. this is not it. So before she could even ask for a refund, I literally, I texted her, I was like, just want to let you know, I just refunded your consultation fee. And if you would like to schedule another call, you can reschedule. And she's like, well, how do I know that I got it? Did you not receive the email confirmation? I did. You know, she still filed a BBB complaint. And the sh- it was so asinine that like, so I don't know if people know this, but the BBB, it's a national organization, but they have like local chapters. The lady from the local chapter who has my account with the BBB literally called me the next day when she got the complaint. Cause she was like, Irene, I just want to make sure that I'm reading what actually happened. And then the thing about the BBB, when you file a complaint with an accredited business, they give us the opportunity to like fucking chart, like rebuttal, like argue our case. Yeah. Yeah. Rebuttal the the whatever. So um, I uploaded the screenshots. I uploaded the receipt of her refund that says credit for $49. Like uploaded the entire conversation between us and in her BBB complaint she even said the resolution to this would be to receive a refund right and in her complaint she said I received email notification about my refund but I'll believe it when it's in my bank so when a lady called me from the BBB this is why you raise your prices this is exactly why y'all ever had something so stupid happen to you that like when somebody mentioned it to you it's almost embarrassing to talk about (laughs) <laughs> when the lady from the BBB called me the next day, I, I didn't even want to talk about it because it's like, this is the type Over. of shit that I'd be having to deal with. Mm. Over $50. Like, over $50. And it, once, I, once I thought about it, it wasn't even a $50 because you got your money back. Right. You were mad that you called me back. And she's like, well, do you plan on calling me back? I absolutely do not. And that's exactly what I told her. I was like, no, I don't. Like I have another call at 4.30. Yeah, I have another call at 4.30 and I'm not risking getting on that call late because you didn't answer the phone when I called you. Like, I think think the the thing with that is a lot of people, and we kind of got mentioned this earlier, is when they see like younger, especially I see this in the black community more than anything. Like I even was talking to somebody, a black guy, and he told me some shit. Like he got a business that's killing it. He told me he doesn't deal with black customers. I'm like, yo, you wilder. But that's what he said. He's like, I don't deal with black customers. No more. It's too much of a headache. He told me this verbatim. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, that's what he like, said. It's I was fucked, like, whoa. It's fucked whoa. up. But I feel like a lot of us have, have created this stigma that black people are terrible consumers, especially yeah. the ones that we find on social media. So it's like, it's a fucked up stigma, but there is definitely like weight yeah. behind it. Especially being a black entrepreneur. Yeah, being a black like, entrepreneur. Oh, baby. Because yeah. yeah. I think people see it as like you look like me, you and my you and my age range. Like I should be able yeah. to. They don't see it the same way they'll see another company. They just see like you I don't can get reach the out same to respect. Yeah, like I'm, if you're gonna yeah. be punctual, we're gonna do it at four. It's gonna be thirty minutes. Expect it to end at thirty minutes. Don't expect to be like I got mm-hmm. a million other questions that's gonna extend it another thirty minutes. Like you know you signed Listen, up for thirty minutes. I've had meetings with people that they've showed up late to. Oh man, you know how we is. Who is we? Because if it's about some money, Irene and Tasha Day is on time. No, right? that ain't right. Yeah. Don't, don't box me into that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, don't. I'm good. 
That's, but like you said, like you said in the beginning, I think that's why it's important to raise your prices so you can weed out a lot of the, like, you know, if somebody plays mm-hmm. X amount, they serious. They're going to take it very serious. Yep. So they're not going to, you know what I'm saying? So that's, when something's so cheap, people don't, like, free stuff, people don't refrain, they don't respect they free don't. stuff and they don't respect cheap they stuff. Don't. And that's exactly why I stopped doing free consultations. Like, when I tell y'all our, our one, our client sign-up rate is much higher now that we offer paid consultations. Okay. But I would literally... Anybody that's fishing for free, like I get people all the time, hey, do you offer free consultations? Nope. Nope. Oh, so I I, I can't talk to you for free? Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Those are the people who just fishing for some shit. They're not really serious about yep. your services. And it's like, you mm-hmm. don't owe them your time or energy. I'm not nope. about to sit in my Instagram DMs while I'm over here trying to poop, well, entertaining thanks. you. Like, no, I'm trying to relax and, and get to this coin. Like, I don't owe that to you. That's mm-hmm. a fact. Like I seen on somebody tweeted, they said, YouTube and Google is free. My time is not. <laughs> My time <laughs> and, is not. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fact. That's a fact, man. That's, hey, that's some real shit, man, right there. Do, do you got uh, any other questions before we wrap up? No, I'm good. It was a no. great episode. No, no, no. You, you, what Listen, about you, Irene? We, we, no, we, I'm good. Y'all know we always... We always gonna come with them gems. Yeah, we always, Get we always, gonna, we always, we always uh, gonna bring. I was just trying to think of any other questions I had for people that might want to think about regarding credit or tax stuff. No, this, all right, this is my final question. So, you know, okay. what I'm saying you're a successful, you're a successful uh, businesswoman. So, and mm-hmm. we are, we are from like, like uh, big cities and come from areas where we didn't have the most affluent upbringing. So, like, right. describe like how has it been now that because you got a big followers on social media and people see, they see you in it. They see your success. So describe like, how is it maneuvering through all that when you got different ex- expectations when dealing with people now? Like, how do you deal with that? Um, so one of the things that I, I'm not even gonna say I struggle with cause I don't struggle with it. Like <laughs> I, will, I will block, I will block you with the quickness. Um, boundaries. So I don't have an extension on my 800 number no more. We got two extensions, one for credit repair services, one for tax prep. Irene no longer has an extension. I'm not accessible. I'm not. You can't call and talk to me. Like I like that. The people I'm talking, yeah, the people I'm talking to are the people who have my personal phone number. Mm-hmm. Um, the downside of that, and this is something that I really struggle with. So like early on, and I think we see this a lot on social media, you'll see people complain like, my friends and family don't support my business. Mm-hmm. Da, da, yep. da, 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 da. I, I have gotten to the point where if you have personal access to me, I'm not servicing you as a client. You cannot sign up for credit repair. I am I like not filing that. your taxes. Yeah, mm. no. Because people don't understand the importance of boundaries. And I think running a business, because people know you personally, they feel entitled to personal access to you. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's been times where I've waken up I'm not a, I'm not an early bird. I could stay working until four o'clock in the morning, but you want me to get up at seven o'clock and do what? Talk to who? <laughs> Read what? No. Mm-hmm. There have been times where I woke up and I haven't got text messages at seven o'clock in the morning. Hey, Irene, who do, uh, who do I call to do X, Y, and Z? If you don't take your ass to that head and financial website and look at that 800 mm-hmm. number that's posted all over the website, I have been on vacation. Oh, Irene, I had a question about my taxes. No, this not that. Mm-mm. They they act like you're a one a one, a one person team or something. And then it's like the entitlement because I know you personally, and mm-hmm. it's like my close close friends who do 
who are clients, like I filed in taxes, their credit card clients, they don't call me or text me about service. So I don't understand why people who I'm not A1 tight with, like, why do you feel like you are entitled to this? I block people all the time. And then they'll hit me up on uh, social media. Hey, Irene, I text you. I was like, I, I, I got my number changed. That's so if they hear this, they, they probably don't know. Like, oh, she, she blocked me. She blocked yeah. me. Mm-hmm. I've had this phone number for 12 years. You ain't about to stress me out. Like, Mm-hmm. I love I love that approach though because I I, I tweeted about this recently. I, I think people, especially new business people, new entre- entrepreneurs, they focus on family and friends too much when it's billions of people in the world. Your family and friends don't make up no no percent of all the people that's and out your, here. Your family and friends is gonna be the biggest headaches because they feel like I'm entitled to X, Y, and Z because I know you personally, I have personal access to you, and they don't want a discount. Yep. So you yep. want to be a bigger headache, you want to be a huge headache. That I'm not even used to dealing with, and you want a discount? Yeah, I'm good. And a discount okay. be, and a lot of <laughs> and a lot of times the discount be they want it for free. Like do me yeah. this favor. And I'm huh. you're right. Huh. <laughs> that's not a, about to happen. <laughs> I'm good. No, that's no, that's facts. That's facts. But yeah, before we before we wrap up, you already know I want to say how much we appreciate you coming on. We've been trying to get this done. I'm glad we got it done. And uh. <laughs> I li- listen my my edge is trying to grow back from tax season being uh almost over so. oh, hey, it's, it's almost, it's almost <laughs> over they we was, almost in now they were gone but so for the people that um they want to get into and they want to follow you they want to uh get get their credit right they want to get their taxes right where can they go for all those things hannahfinancial.com that's h-a-n-n-a-h financial.com um, if you guys want to follow me on social media, I'm letting you know I'm a whole head case at Credit Queen <laughs> Irene on Instagram, um, at Credit Queen Irene on Facebook, and at the Credit Queen underscore on Twitter. My name right. on Twitter is Pippi Pippi Long Pockets. Pippi Don't Long be Pockets. Pippi Long Pockets. <laughs> but, if you want to follow us, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Xavier C. Miller. And D, what's your info? You can find me on Instagram at Deanna Kent, Twitter Deanna S. Kent, and YouTube Lessons in Life and Luxury. Oh, yeah. Also, you can follow me on YouTube at my YouTube channel, Xavier <laughs> Miller. So, and that's all we got for y'all. Appreciate, appreciate y'all tuning to another episode of Man at Mindset Podcast. See you guys next episode. Peace. Hey, turn me up, son. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it. No Deanna, speak that shit that everybody vouching. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant. I study millionaires cause I was born a visionary. You still believe in limitations, why you acting scary? You can't distract me from the paper I've been Chase of greatness. I'm stacking now and balling later in the conversation. We strategizing, monetizing, piling up investments and sacrificing temporary sh- for bigger blessings. Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state. I multiply my grind rate and I match the way I vibrate. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it. No, Deanna speak that shit that everybody vouching Ain't no more excuses valid Get up off the couch and get up in your bag To your bank account, need an accountant